The following is recorded from Marine Creek Church. If you have any questions, feel free to visit our website at www.marinecreekchurch.com. We hope you enjoy this message. We've been in this series called Moving, and it's kind of funny because as we keep talking about moving, that moving date gets pushed out farther and farther. And here's what I believe. God's timing is perfect. And I can make jokes about how many moving sermons we've got to write and how many things. But the reality is God knows exactly when we're supposed to be in there. And and there's still things that we can be doing. Uh, He doesn't just call us to sit on the sideline and say, okay, you wait here. And then when everything there is done, that's when we'll engage in ministry. We're called to engage. We're constantly called to be moving. And so last week we talked about moving to the city and the city life. Uh, Hebrews 11, when Abraham said, it says of Abraham that by faith, He walked, he obeyed, and he walked towards a promise that God had called him to. And he looked forward to a city whose builder and architect is God, and it has foundations. And and so uh, we began this whole idea of moving into a city, the culture of a city. Uh, I was born in the country, and now I live in the city, and it has a completely different culture. Um, A lot of you tried slaw dogs this week, and and God bless you, man. You have been healed. I'm I'm proud of you. I, I had slaw dogs this week. Um, I, I, yes, um, that's like, it has to happen. Um, but I'm, I'm grateful. You guys were sending me messages, posts, all kinds of stuff, and you did it. See, it, it's awesome. See, it, I mean, you just, ah, you, your mind has just been blown. So, but uh, one thing that, that we kind of honed in on is that God called Abraham from a culture to a culture. God is always, this is what I just love about the nature and character of God. He's always calling us from something to something. He's always calling us, from, like with, with Abraham, from a, a really polytheistic culture into a culture that I am the one true God. He called Abraham out of his father's household into a land that is promised to him with descendants as numer- more numerous than the stars in the sky, sand on the, on the shore. And he called him from death to life. Every one of us, God has called us from death to life. That's our transformation. That's when we give, a, that's what becoming a Christian is all about. It's not about saying a, a magic prayer as though, though we reduce Christianity, some chant of that. We, we say, Jesus, you forgive me, you're the Lord. If it, there's no meaning here, there's no transformation. The transformation happens when we go from death to life. He calls us from sin to righteousness. He's always calling us from somewhere to somewhere. And I love that about the nature of God because he's constantly keeping us in motion. He's constantly drawing us closer to himself. Uh, we're, we're really either doing two things. We're either moving forward or moving backwards. There is no stagnancy with God. You see, because God is constantly moving. And so if we're not moving, we're either going backwards or we're going forward. Some of y'all grew up in church. It's called backsliding. Um, we're not going down that point today, but just let that go for a minute. Um, but when he calls us from death to life, our identity is transformed. Our identity is now in Christ. He calls us from being identified with the world to being identified with Christ, being identified with a flesh system to being identified with a system that is ruled and reigned by the Spirit. And our identity in Christ is what transforms us to live that different culture that he calls us to. A lot of times we try to fit into our culture by our own work, by our own effort, by our own desire, by our own doing. And God says, it can't happen that way. You see, I can't go from death to life without a supernatural miracle. I can't go from an identity of sin to an identity of righteousness and holiness without a miracle. It it just can't happen. And we cannot manage that behavior on our own. 
Please understand this. Christianity is not behavioral management. It's not you making a decision or me making a decision. I'm going to live a better life. I'm going to be a better person. I'm going to be a better dad. I'm going to be a better employee. I'm going to be a better boss. I'm going to be a better husband. Whatever you want to fill in the blank with, I'm going to be a better whatever. You cannot do that on your own. We might have the ability, look at New Year's resolutions. We have the ability to carry those for only so many days or weeks. But unless we're operating in a power that is not our own, we cannot continue that life. Through this building process, I've got to say, I I told you publicly that 2013 was probably the hardest year of ministry I've ever experienced. And, And can I tell you, God has ratcheted it up in 2014. Professionally, it has been the most difficult, trying experience of my life. But here's the reality. I can have joy in all these trials. I can praise God. I can exalt Him because the power that I'm trying to do this in is not my own. It is the power that He gives. I have to start out every morning. God, you've got to give me power because I don't know what's coming today. You do. I mean, I I spent three quarters of a day this week sitting in the city hall offices trying to fight with with this water line. God, I don't have the power to deal with this. And you know what? He gives me the words. He gives me ability. He gave me patience. Because if you've ever dealt with the city and had to go down and do that process, you need patience. I mean, if you're praying for patience, you come on a ride along with me, all right? I mean, you are going to learn patience firsthand. It is incredible. But our identity in Christ is what drives our behavior. And, And that behavior we talked about last week, how should the church, how should the body, Christians, the family of God, how should we behave? What behavior should that look like to people who are outside the church? And I don't just mean outside the creek. I mean the church, capital C. One of the things we we intentionally designed with our logo is we love the C and we wanted to keep the C. The C is capital. That means the big church. The creek, if you notice on our logo, it's all lowercase because we, we are not the church. We are a part of the big C church. So it's always... Every time we see that logo, it's keeping ourselves in check. We're not it. Jesus is the head. We're a part of something much bigger than we are. So when we say the church, we're talking about the body. We're talking about lost versus found, saved versus unsaved. And so our behaviors, if you missed last week, you can go back and listen to it. Our behaviors in Christ and the culture of the city of heaven that we live out should drive how we treat people who are outside of the church. This week, I want to talk about how our behavior should be with people inside the church. What should the culture of heaven, what should the culture of the gospel look like for people inside the church? Now, I'm just going to, to, to give you an asterisk right here, however you do the asterisk, you know. You can do hashtag, but I don't know how to do asterisk. Um, <laughs> we cannot exhaust in our teaching today the themes of the culture of heaven, okay? I'm going to give you what are called mega themes out of one passage. If you've got your Bible, go to Colossians chapter 3. Um, Colossians is, is one of my favorite books in the New Testament. It is a rich book. We did a verse-by-verse teaching through it a couple years ago, um, and it is absolutely just incredible. Um, but last week, the value that we really looked at was missional living. You know, we want to look like Jesus and follow him so closely that when we interact with people who are not a part of the church, who are lost, then we can look like Jesus to them. And, and we can treat them in a way that glorifies God. And, and they see how we behave and they can even glorify God by how they see us as Jesus' disciples. This week we're going to talk about community. 
It's another one of our core values. And community is, is interesting uh, because it's, it's relationships with one another. I mean, we all live in communities. Um, we, we use this as a, it really, I get frustrated when this is reduced to a buzzword in the church uh, world because community means so much more than just coming into this room. Like, come be a part of church community and come see us on Sunday morning. Church community goes way beyond this, the, this room, folks. Church community happens in those game nights. I mean, I, I talk to people at the creek, and, and I believe the creek is one of the friendliest churches I've ever been a part of and ever visited. I, I mean, I don't say that because it, I, it's my church. I go here. I say it because you have a heart of community. You have a heart that truly desires to connect with other people and get your arms around people. But it's done through those game nights. It's done through community groups. It's done by going to Agape. Let me tell you something. This month in Agape, is we, we're cooking, and we have a giant barbecue trailer. There is so much community that happens around that trailer. There is so much community that happens as we get together and serve. And community is not reduced to, hey, let's just go hang out at church. Community is us intentionally engaging in relationships with one another. And the way those relationships happen is our relationship with Jesus first. You see, we can have community around food. We can have community around game nights. But at the core, it's a gospel-centered community, meaning Jesus is the common ground that we all gather together for. So whether that's around a grill, whether that's around a kitchen island, whether that's at agape serving with each other, whether that's at the back-to-school event, no matter what we engage in, Jesus is the common ground that brings us together. And you think of community as common unity. Our commonality in Jesus brings us together in unity. That's what it means to have that in the church. So um, let's go to Colossians chapter 3. If you don't have a Bible, we have some on the ends of the rows for you. I forgot to say that. Um, And if you don't own one, write your name in it. That is our gift to you. It's also available on your smart device. Um, Colossians chapter 3 is where we'll be. Uh, I'm going to read and give some comments, and then we're going to talk about some cultures that, that Paul really highlights in this passage. Um, but it says, uh, uh, verse 1, since then you've been raised with Christ. I want, I want to stop there for a second. Remember when I taught you whenever you see therefore, you need to kind of look around it to see what it's there for. Like we're, we're, we've got, we have to have some understanding before we go to the next thought. And it's the same thing where Paul says, since then you've been raised with Christ. To go back to that thought is chapter 2, verse 20. It says, since you died with Christ to the basic principles of this world, um, why, as though you still belong to it, do you submit to its rules? So Paul's saying, you have been put to death. You You have died with Christ. You have been crucified with Christ. So since then, since you have been crucified with Christ, since you have been raised with him also. See, in order for us to be raised with Christ, we had to be crucified with Christ. You following that? You tracking with that? So since then, you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things above, not on earthly things. So, so he's already setting up this thing. Culture, the things above have a different culture than the things we have focused on before we died in Christ, before we were raised in Christ. I know this is, it's early and the coffee needs to kick in, but, but follow me here. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. That's heaven. That's the city we are called to. Verse 5. Put to death, therefore, 
whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath is coming. Now, don't get self-righteous and think, well, I've never done any one of those. Yes, you have. You fall into that category of at least one of those. We all do. Okay? We are all, just as in, in, in the church, Christ-centered community, gospel-centered community, the common unity is Jesus. Before we were crucified with Christ, our common unity is this. We're all dead. We're all sinners. And we like to pick and choose that list. Well, I didn't do that. I didn't do that. Yes, you did. I can say that, yes, you have broken all Ten Commandments. Every one of us have. Every one of us have. Well, I ain't murdered nobody. You know what? Have you ever harbored hatred to anybody? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jesus said, if you hate someone, you've murdered him in your heart. Guilty. Don't make me start talking about lust. <laughs> hmm But now you must rid yourself of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self. So again, called from your old self to your new self. From to. I love this nature about God. To put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge and the image of its creator. Do you remember a couple weeks ago when we were talking about renewing your mind, what that means? It's it's being transformed by the renewing of your mind. And and Paul's saying now, you're being renewed in the knowledge and the image of Christ. So what we're doing is we're realizing we don't live there anymore. To renew your mind means the things that you used to think, you don't go there anymore. Because remember my story about moving houses and showing up? I don't live there anymore. That should be kind of a check. And so as our mind is renewed, we're renewed with new knowledge. So if you think about it, we're called from ignorance to knowledge. To these things, you were ignorant. And so it's being renewed in knowledge in in the image of its creator. Here there is no Greek, Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and and is all and in all. Therefore, because of all this, because you have been, you've died with Christ, you've been raised with Christ, you put off the old self, you put on the new self. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, he's talking to the church, people, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. And as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. There is this, this, this passage is incredibly rich and packed with culture of our city of heaven that God has called us to. And things that we are to live here on earth. You see, we won't, we won't see him in glory and be with him in, in glory until he appears. And here's how he will appear. We will draw our last breath on planet earth or he will descend in the clouds and call us home. I personally would rather see number two. I don't want to have to deal with death. But one day, 
he will appear. And that drives our behavior. So what are some of these, these themes? The first one, I think, is a culture of unity and love. Last week, we talked about a, a culture of love, uh, about loving a person that we can love without condemning and we can love without condoning, um, but we are called to give pure love. And by that love is how the world knows that we are the disciples of Christ, that we are followers of Christ. Um, this, this week, we're talking about that family love, and it's a unique thing. Um, I don't know if you got a size, how, how big your family is, but I've got a pretty large family. And, and family love is one of those unique things. If you've got brothers and sisters, you know what I'm talking about. See, my brother and I are, are very close. He's, he's actually not just my brother. He's one of my very best friends. Now, growing up, wasn't so much. You see, we could fight each other. I mean, we could throw it down. And we could fight each other, and we could, we could hit on and beat up each other and all this stuff. And then a few minutes later, we could be playing again. Same thing with my sisters. I, you know my thoughts on that. You know, that mental fighting is not, not easy on us, us men, but, but we, we endure. Um, but it's one thing, like, like I could pick on my brother all I wanted. But if one of the neighborhood kids picked on my brother, oh, it's on. Okay, you are not going to treat my brother that way. I'm the only one that can treat my brother that way. You know what I'm saying? Family love is weird. But, but also, if you notice that in, in our families, the closer we get, the easier it is to snap at each other. I mean, think about this. Think about just your family having dinner together in your home, sitting around your table, which I hope you still do. Um, you're sitting around your dinner table, and one of the kids spills the milk. Now, do you respond or do you react to that? I mean, we're like, what are you doing, kid? Why can't you pay attention? You know I mean? Like, we, we get a little bit frustrated, right? Now, same scenario. You invite company over... And you're sitting around your table, and one of your invited guests spills the milk and goes all over the table. What do you do? Oh, it's all right. I'll just go get a towel. You know, you know what I'm saying? I saw it. I grew up. I know what's family. Family love is weird, isn't it? It's a little strange sometimes. But God has called us to live in community together, which means we are the family of God. We're called the one body. There is one head who is Christ. There is one baptism that brings us into that body. There is one blood and one spirit. He calls us to this unity. And what I've come to understand is uh, church is a place of incredibly sad division, of incredibly deep hurt, and incredibly intense baggage. And we get that because our mentality with each other becomes, I can't believe you spilled the milk. I can't believe you did that. What are you thinking? Instead of, oh, let me serve you. Let me go get a towel. It's okay. I know I made it, make a joke about that, but think about it. When we come together in the church, he says we are to bear with one another in love, to forgive each other if there's grievances. Okay, he's not saying if there's grievances. When there are grievances. If, you have been, if you've been in family for any amount of time, if you have been in church for any amount of time, you understand that things happen and there are grievances that come up. I have made people mad. Yeah, I know it's hard to believe. Sometimes that's, that's the, the spiritual gift I have of making people mad. But we bear with one another. We forgive one another. We're called to love one another and walk in unity. It has to happen. Love has to bind us. Here's the truth. How we love one another is how we show that we have passed from death to life. 
You see, the love that God sets in our hearts is the ability to love someone enough to not react to a grievance, but to respond in love. You see, the love that God sets in our hearts is what calls us from death to life. And by that love, it's not just the world that sees that we're the disciples of Jesus. It's our family. And we're called to walk in this unity and love. I want to read you a passage about that. It's uh, 1 John 4, uh, 15. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in him and he in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. In this way, love is made complete among us so that we may have confidence on the day of judgment. Because in this world, we are like him. Does the world see that love produced in our life so that it brings us and brings that fullness and that completeness to the family? It's a culture of love and unity. It's a culture of holiness. Uh, this one I, I want to help you with because you know, we are called from death to life. We're called from uh, sin to righteousness. And this isn't a behavior that we manage. Let me, let me tell you how this happens. It's John 15. It's abiding in Christ. It's Ephesians 5, being continually filled with the Holy Spirit. It's saying, God, I, I renew my mind. Renew me in the knowledge and the wisdom. God, what I've got to do to fight this fight is to continue to submit to you. I've got to go from ignorance to wisdom. Um, I want to read to you First Peter, uh, uh, Peter 3, I believe. First Peter 1. Here we go. Uh, this, is a, this is a tough passage. I'm going to help you choose through this a little bit. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given to you when Jesus Christ is revealed. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. Again, he's calling us from ignorance to wisdom, to knowledge. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Now here's a problem with this. The problem is God calls me to holiness. But I continue to deal with failure. I continue to deal with falling. I continue to deal with sin. And so the enemy loves to get us wrapped up in this guilt cycle. Well, God said to be holy, therefore he's holy. And you can't even do it. I mean, you've, you've harbored hate in your heart. You know the list we just read in Colossians 3. And the enemy will say, you can't be saved, you can't be holy, you can't be righteous because look at your behavior. Here's the problem. The problem that we get into is position versus practice. My holiness is my position because of Christ. It's my position in God. It's the practice that I struggle with. What do I practice? You see, Romans 3 is an incredibly beautiful chapter. And when you think in the whole nature of God calling us from something to something, in the beginning of chapter 3 in Romans, uh, is, Paul says, there is no one righteous, not one. So we go from to no one is righteous, not one, to but in Christ. But in Christ, we are the righteousness of God. Our position changes. 
because of the blood of Christ, because of the cross, because of the blood shed that paid for our sin, past, present, future, because of the resurrection to overcome the power of the grave. Since we have died with Christ and we have been raised with Christ, we go from no one is righteous, not one, to I am the righteousness of God in him. In Corinthians, we're told that God made him to be sin. For the, God made him who was without sin to be sin so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That's our position. Okay, the practices is all the flesh stuff. The practice is where we get into trying to manage that on our own behavior and our own power. What did I tell you? We can't, we can't do that. We don't have the power to do that. What we have to do is understand that our position in Christ comes through the cross. And it comes through repentance, and it comes from being called from death to life, from sin to righteousness. The practice is, is God, transform me, continue to renew me, so that I can live with the fullness of your spirit, so that my practice shows my position. Does that make sense to you? Are you do you understand that? I mean, it is, it is all of the things that we saw in Colossians 3, since you've died with Christ. Set your mind, set your heart, let your heart be renewed, let your mind be renewed. All of these things is the work of Christ on the cross so that we submit to him. I can't renew my mind. This whole idea, I can't, this, we, we get into this whole thing of, you really cross into a lot of works-based salvation when you think, I have to die with Christ, so what does that mean? I mean, am I committing spiritual suicide here? It's no, it's recognizing that when Jesus was nailed on the cross, and just as there were two thieves on either side of him, there was one who mocked him and one that called out to him. And we can find our position on the cross. Are we going to mock him or are we going to call out to him? When we call out to him, Jesus says, you have died with me. And since you have been raised to new life, because of Jesus' resurrection, we can go from death to life. And we live the righteousness of God. I mean, you, Maybe you need to hear it this way. Maybe you've been beat up this week and you've been called all kinds of things. But maybe you have not heard this week that you, in Christ, are the righteousness of God. That when he looks at you, that's my son, that's my daughter, that's my righteousness. Maybe let, let that start to shape your identity instead of what media says, what magazines say, what the internet says, uh, what family may say. Let that shape your identity. That you are the righteousness of God. It's a culture of holiness. It's a culture of serving. And this goes way beyond volunteering in any position in the church. This goes beyond serving in Creek Kids. This goes beyond standing at the... Oh, man, yeah. Awesome. I went out on a limb there and you had me. Thank you. In Colossians 3.17, it says, In word or deed. Whatever you do, the, the challenge is um, serving others requires a heart of humility. Um, because whatever, that whatever you do, it's not always glamorous. You know, it's, it's not always the sexy thing to do. You know what I mean? It, it's, I, I, I get so amazed at, at our team because as I see them go through and, and help with setup, it's, I just see people willing to pick up trash. And that's a heart of humility that God says, that's what I need. 
That's the culture that I came to create. Because Jesus said, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. And he's the best example that we have. And it doesn't mean that we sit around as, as prideful jerks and say, well, Jesus came to serve, so let Jesus serve me. That's not the culture. We've twisted it. We sit in church and think, what can Jesus do for me? You know what? Here's what Jesus, if, if all Jesus has ever done was die on the cross and resurrect from the grave, wouldn't you say that's more than enough? That as a servant, as an incredible heart of humility, endures the cross and its shame and its suffering for the joy set before him. What's the joy? It's you and I. It's so that we can be transformed from death to life. And God has called us from our former self to a life that is filled with the Spirit, a life that is transformed. And as we live on planet Earth, we're going to constantly move from to, and then from and to. And then we'll be from somewhere to somewhere else. And He calls us to move that. I, one day we're going to appear with Christ in glory. And I look forward to that day. But he calls us to a culture, and that's what we look forward to. And, and maybe, maybe God's wrestling with you. Maybe, honestly, let's just, let's just roll up the sleeves. I wore them short today. And maybe we just need to get in. And, and if there's grievances, if there's baggage, if there's hurt, if there's issues, let's deal with this in the safety of the family. The prayer room's open. I mean, church is a place where we can deal with it. I, I can tell you, I've been in church a long time, and I carry hurt. But I can tell you, the vulnerability of the relationships is really beautiful. And I would much rather go through the vulnerability of relationships than guarding myself from what God has for me. Maybe God's calling you from a guarded position to a little bit more vulnerability. Maybe God is calling you to deal with some family hurts, family issues. The prayer room is open, so uh, let's go from the culture the enemy wants us to live to what God created us to live in. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you that as we talk about transformation, it's not what we do, it's what you have done. And so, Father, we don't, uh, we don't try to do this by ourselves. And I pray that as you have purposed us, that you have created us, that you have designed us, that you have set a beautiful, perfect, pleasing plan before us. I pray that we can realize. I pray that if there's anyone here that, that has never died with Christ and been resurrects, re- resurrected, I pray that today is that day that they go from death to life. And, and it is saying, Jesus, you are the Lord and Savior, and I believe you died. But it's not in those words, it's in the heart. It's through faith. And God, we know that it is you who give faith. And so would you give faith in this moment to maybe someone in this room that just, they need it. Maybe, maybe they've spent a lot of time in or around church and the culture that we've talked about for a Christ follower for the church is not what they've seen lived out. Would you begin to just restore and heal And would you begin to just slowly remove those baggage from their hands?
Father, for us, help us to constantly be drawn to your goodness so that as we live, as we live the identity that you've called us to, that we live in a way that glorifies and honors you and that we live in community, we live with, uh, we bind these together in perfect love so that we can live in harmony, we can live in unity. Lord, we love you, we glorify you, we praise you. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Marine Creek Church is located in Fort Worth, Texas. If you have any questions, feel free to visit our website at www.marinecreekchurch.com. Thank you.